Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these guys. What a great opportunity it is to come back together and uh, just continue to study your word as we open uh, um, up your word. And we uh, close in today on our last lesson, the last idea of thinking like a Christian. God, let us, uh, let us do that uh, each and every uh, day of our lives. Let us uh, even more so today, uh, regardless of our age and our season in life, let us, uh, uh, let us think like Christians. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're new here, and um, I know there's no first-timers in here, but in, in, our, in our lesson, we've been in the, in the middle of, a, uh, of kind of a mini-series over the last couple of weeks of talking about how to think like a Christian and, uh, and really what it means when Christians don't think like Christians to their nation. And we started off uh, two weeks ago in Jeremiah chapter 2, if you remember, where we looked at the idea of the demise of the nation of Israel. Uh, that the prophets and the priests and the preachers and then ultimately the people uh, begin to drift away from God's Word. They didn't listen to God's Word. They didn't follow His Word. They weren't faithful to His Word. And we talked about uh, really that's a national demise that we always want to be cautious of and careful of. Then you can certainly pull it over and um, uh, you, can, you can examine our own uh, country and uh, see where you know, where are our political leader, leaders when it comes to faith? Where uh, are the prophets and the priests when it comes to their faith and be able to stand firm and openly preach God's word in an uncompromising way? Uh, but at the same time, you got to look, where are the people? You know, where are the people? Where are fathers in particular? Fathers, where are we when men uh, are we willing to stand with our family and God's word and our kids and, and be counted by the faith to come out? as believers, as we talked about earlier. And so that was uh, week one. Then last week, um, we looked at the ideas, and I just shared with you a couple of ideas uh, as they relate to uh, uh, why some believers aren't willing to stand firm, uh, why they shrink back. Uh, that's what we looked at last week. You can go, go and hear this online. Go look under our website under men's and then men's resources. You can go hear uh, the previous ones. But if you remember last week, I gave you a couple of uh, reasons that I think, I think some Christians um, uh, don't stand up because they're more concerned about getting the world's approval than they are God's approval. And there are some. I think there are times we label a lot of Christians that way uh, who aren't. It's not that they're more concerned with gaining the world's approval than God's approval. I think uh, some of the other ones might have to do with it. Some are just deceived. You know, they're deceived. They believe what uh, they read in the news, line, news media. They believe uh, what a pre professor says. And I think there are sometimes believers, they compromise with the world because they're just deceived. And we know, and we talked about this last week, that Satan is a great deceiver. Uh, and he will latch on to you. He will draw you away. He certainly deceives our kids over and over again. That's why uh, kids can grow up in a church. They go off to college. They get surrounded by people of influence other than mom and dad uh, and youth pastors and pastors. And what do they do? They drift away. What happens? They get deceived. They get distracted. Uh, there was another thing that we said. Some people are swayed from their faith by circumstances. Some people are swayed from their faith by circumstances. There are times, and I know this, uh, that I have um, spent time with people who used to be faithful uh, in their walk with the Lord, in their walk with God, and all of a sudden you track it back, and something tragic happened in their life. 
something painful happened in their life. Uh, they, were, uh, uh, they were hurt by another Christian or they went through a divorce or they went through a loss of a child or a loss of a mate. And what happens? They just begin to drift because they're struggling with the question, why would God allow this to happen to me? And I think there are times uh, that, uh, that people, Christians, believers, walk away because of that. And then the last thing I said is that some people just don't know God's word well. And so they, don't, they aren't able to stand and defend themselves, which is what we looked at in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, always be prepared. The idea, if we're going to give a defense of the gospel, if we're going to give a defense for the hope that is in us, we have to be prepared. Well, how can we be prepared? We have to know what God's Word says. And so if you missed either one of the last two weeks, um, that's, uh, that's really uh, what we looked at the last two weeks. And so you can find those online. And so today, today we're going to finish this by really defining for us what a Christian worldview is. And uh, this is not new to me. If, uh, if you've been in the apologetics realm, uh, if you've uh, heard Frank Turek or you've heard uh, Ravi Zacharias, if you've heard a lot of other people, they talk a lot about worldview. And every one of them uh, deals with it and talks about it separately because that's how you write books. You come up with different names, uh, but you're saying the same thing. And over the last couple of weeks, we've said that everybody has some sort of a worldview. It may not be a Christian worldview, but everybody has some worldview. And every worldview basically has to answer these four questions. And you have one, by the way. It's where did it all come from? That's the origin of everything, right? The origin of everything and the origin of me. Everybody around you has some sort of worldview as it relates to origin. As a Christian, we've got to also have a Christian worldview of our origin. Uh, another one is uh, morality. Uh, everybody has, a, has a, a worldview of morality. What's right? What's wrong? All right? We as believers have to have a Christian worldview of what is right and what is wrong. Now, some people uh, uh, use uh, popular opinion or public opinion to determine what's right and what's wrong. Years ago, if you go to the Old Testament, certain things were sins in the Old Testament that are accepted in society today. So what was a sin then is not a sin today because society says it's no longer a sin. Uh, there are other people uh, that uh, are more willy-nilly uh, in, uh, in the way they choose right and wrong. It's whatever feels good to me. If it's okay with me, I'll just choose that. This is good. This is not. There are other people that will simply say something really idiotic, like there's really no... Uh, set truth. There's no real truth. Uh, truth is not real. Whatever's true for you is true for you. Whatever's true for me is true for me. The reality of it is they don't want to live that way. It's, it sounds good to say that, uh, but the truth is no one wants to live that way or can live that way. Why would that be? Well, then if I say, well, it just seems true to me and okay to me and right to me that I should be able to punch you in the nose anytime I want to just for the fun of it. Guess what? All of a sudden they would think that was a horrible truth, right? Uh, they would think that was a horrible truth. So everybody has to have, as in a Christian worldview or any worldview, where did we come from? What's right and wrong? Also, another one is the idea of meaning. Uh, why am I here? What am I here for? Uh, what's, what's my purpose in life? Uh, why did I show up at all? Why did I breathe? If I understand that uh, at some point I was born and at some point, as Solomon says, I'm going to die, why am I here? What's, what's my purpose in life? We all need that. 
And let me tell you what, as believers, uh, we need to know our purpose. We need to understand what in the world our purpose is and why, has, why does God have us here. And that's why we, we need to understand that as individual believers, you have a purpose in life. And it's to be salt and light at the office and uh, uh, in your neighborhood and in your relationships and wherever you are to draw others to faith, to draw others to Christ. Guess what? As an organism called the church, we have a purpose. And what is the purpose? It's not to make ourselves feel, feel better or feel good. It's to reach other people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. And then... Um, Finally, the fourth thing we always have to answer, and I'm going to go back over each of these, and I'm going to give you scripture for each of these, is, is where are we all headed? What does the future hold? And everybody, here's the key, whether they can describe it that way or not, everybody lives with some sort of an understanding of those four things. And so if you're in an encounter and a conversation with someone uh, and you are trying to invite them to church or talk to them about their faith, you need to understand those four things. And you can ask some questions and say, where do they think we all came from? If they all think we simply evolved out of nothingness, all right, it's not going to help you to talk to them about how God uh, wants you to live until you discuss with them where they think they came from, and what is your basis for supporting the fact that something came out of nothing apart from a God? Does that make sense? Or how all this design happens. So you need to understand, where's that? Where do they get their idea of right and wrong? What is their meaning in life? Where are we all headed? You've got to be able to address those situations. I will just tell you as your pastor that uh, um, over the years, uh, when I first came to Old Fairview, and uh, one of the beauties, uh, as well as the curses, uh, of Fairview was uh, if you go back to where we are, where we were as a church uh, in Fairview, uh, you didn't get to Fairview. If you went to Fairview, you were either going there on purpose, talking about the church, not the town. You were either going there on purpose because you had heard someone or someone had invited you, or you got there by accident because it was off the beaten path, all right? I often talked with Keith Tyler uh, when we were in old Fairview uh, that Fairview was Samaria. How many of you know what Samaria is, all right? You had Galilee called McKinney, all right? And you had Judea called Allen. And sometimes people would drive around Fairview uh, on Highway 5, and sometimes they would go through it, but they went through quickly. And there were times that I would talk to Keith because uh, it was just kind of him and I on staff. And I would say, I would say, hey, uh, if we're going to go reach people, we need to either go up into Galilee or we need to go down into Judea. Uh, but they're not coming to Samaria. But let me tell you what happened. What happened in those early days, and, and which is still kind of a beauty of who we are. Let me tell you who ended up coming to Fairview. Broken people. Broken people who weren't necessarily accepted in the first Baptist of this or the first Baptist of that. Why? Because they had, they had lost a marriage. They had broken down a lot. Does that make sense? They were struggling with some sort of addiction or alcohol, which was kind of a beauty of our church. Let me tell you what, we were all stripes, but we were all striped up, okay? Uh, we were of all different colors, all different places, but it was a bunch of broken people 
that all of a sudden didn't feel good enough to walk in a, a church they used to go to or a place they used to go to, but all of a sudden they were trying to pull themselves back up. And in doing that, the questions changed over the years. It was not uncommon in those days for someone to come into my old office in Fairview or, and it would be some man who hadn't been in church in eight, nine, 10 years or 12 years or something like that, or some family. And, um, it was not uncommon for the question at that time to be, does God still love me? Can God forgive me? Because I not only blew up one marriage, I blew up two. Or I've struggled with this addiction forever. Does that make sense? It was not uncommon for that to be the question. Let me tell you what, as a pastor, that's an easy question to answer. Yea, I've loved you with an everlasting love. That's what God said to Jerusalem and, 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 and Israel. And after sin, after sin, after sin, after sin. Over the years, the question has changed. The question now is, is there really a God? How do I know what is right and wrong? Does that make sense? If there is a God, why uh, does all this evil happen? I'm just telling you, in my office, the questions have changed. And so the reality of it is, if the questions have changed in my office, they've changed in your office, and maybe even more so. And so we need to be ready to answer these questions. So let me just talk to you, and I'm going to break it away, break it down in these four areas. And I'm going to talk to them biblically. Origin, Christian worldview, meaning, morality, and where are we headed? So first of all, our origin. Let me just talk to you about that. Um, where did it all come from? If you, want to, if you have your Bibles out, uh, you also might want to take some notes. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 29. Here's what it says. Where did it all come from? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 29. It says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, listen to this, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed, every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth uh, and every tree that, the fr a tree that has fruit and seed in it. They will be yours for food. All right. The Christian worldview... The idea of origin can be found in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. God created light. He created the heavens. He created the sea. He created earth. He created everything. All right. That's what we believe. That's what we believe. You and I have to understand that's what we believe. God created the plants, the animals, everything. Uh, God created them according to their kind. He created them as they are. Uh, there are going to be people that say, well, what about evolution? What about this? And, you know, in a very small way, in a very real way, you need to go back and at least have a quick answer to that. And you need to be able to say, listen, what do you mean by evolution? What do you mean by evolution? You're talking about microevolution or macroevolution? Sure, there are change. If you're talking about just change, there's change that happened. If you were in church a couple of weeks ago when I addressed this very issue, uh, if you take me and my complexion and make me all of a sudden live out in the middle of the desert, over the next couple of years, guess what? My skin is going to change, right? Uh, the melatonin is going to kick in, and so is the melanoma. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? All right? It, there's going to be micro-level changes in my body and in my life, probably the construction of my body. 
would change, how I uh, have to chase food. My, I would get more and more calluses on my hands as I worked out. That would change, okay? So in, in some measure, that's, a, that's an evolving, right? But you would never all of a sudden in five years or 10 years or 15 years go out and find my kids and they would be hyenas or coyotes. We would still be people. We would still be people. We would still be who we are. So is there some level of change? You look at them and say, yes, but on a macro level. We're not walking around looking at a bunch of transitional figures. The only thing that even comes close is sometimes when they surface some archaeological thing that finds some bone and they go, look at this thing, and they draw this enormous thing out of one little bone and say, look at this thing. It's half this and half that, and it's a transitional figure, and you're going... You got all that from that? You got all that from that? Well, then if they were there back then, why aren't they here today, right? If evolution is an ongoing process, why don't we walk around looking at a bunch of half men, half ape? We don't, do we? Because it's not here. So just say, where is your, uh, basically, I can see, because what we see today with our eyes, what we can observe and repeat and test matches up more with the Genesis account than it does with the evolutionary account. When you talk about the origin of the universe, remember they used to say it was a big bang. Well, we've been saying that forever, folks. It was called God's word, right? That's the address. Man, how do you explain the Big Bang over and over? You know, they'll say, well, listen, if you take it and I'll have all kinds of times and opportunities, eventually this is all, the universe is going to happen if it just repeats itself over and over and over again. You go, no, it's really not going to. Because if you look at it from heaven, that's right. If y'all didn't see that, just move on, boys. Uh, all I can say is wake up, Mike. Uh, we're we're going to talk about our future here in a second. You better be ready, buddy. <laughs> Something freaky just happened over there. Uh, we, we have to be able to understand that what we see around us more matches up to the Genesis account than it matches up to any other scientific account without God. It doesn't happen. You don't see this kind of design that we see in the universe happen by chance. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Man, we go out there and we look, and every, every you talk about an article, someone, they clone this or they clone that. What do you have? You have a bunch of the smartest researchers out there trying over and over again to insert their intelligence and their design into making a clone, right? To me, you're just proving the origin of the universe, that there had to be an incredible designer that created it and made it all happen. So we have to understand the origin. If uh, you look in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, 34 to 40, um, it says, hearing this, this is Jesus, Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Hearing this, Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, uh, came to him and tested him with this question. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. So our origin is this, that God created it all. All right? I will go ahead and plug this. Uh, uh, there is uh, uh, Ron leads a reasonable faith chapter here at our church. 
that meets once a month, right? Meets once a month. He's about to start a class. When does that class start? A week from next Sunday afternoon in Iwana where he will deal with some of these issues. Uh, and, and so that's a class you can start taking now to understand and be able to address more about our origins. But I also want to let you know, if you look forward uh, to next March, we are bringing back a conference that we brought this week, uh, this year, called the Rethink Conference. Uh, did anybody hear, you remember our Rethink Conference? Filled up the place, had a bunch of teenagers and young adults. Basically, it is an apologetics conference by the Frank Turks of the world and the best speakers. And by the way, I've already booked Frank. After he's at the conference, he's going to stick around. And he's going to preach on Sunday morning. Then he's going to do a luncheon to address all of our questions. If you have someone, if you have someone who doubts their faith, he is just phenomenal at saying, I don't care. I'm not going to set, set up. There are times that, that, that speakers will set up the questions. That way they get softballs. Frank doesn't do that. He's saying, ask any question you have about the faith. And he just responds to them. So that's coming in March. But if you can't wait till March, uh, this class starts uh, Sunday after next. And he's going to do a great job right during, during Awanda's. But we need to understand our the answers to this. When someone says evolution, I will guarantee if you have kids or grandkids, they're battling the evolution question. And let me tell you what, they are not being taught evolution as another theory of creation. They're not. If you think that's happening, you're nuts Oh. That comes from the Greek word natsamos. I'm telling you, even in our really good schools right around here, evolution is being taught as a fact. And Genesis is being taught as fiction. It is just happening. I'm not telling you that there's not a, not a teacher out there teaching a biology class or a life science class uh, that doesn't hold firm in the faith and doesn't drop it. But I'm telling you, if you track your child all the way through, and every child, whether it's Alan McKinney, Lovejoy, or whatever, when they really start talking about it in third grade all the way through 12th grade, let me tell you what the vast majority of their teachers will be teaching Genesis as fiction and science is fact, all right? And what does that do just in our mindset? It causes our kids just to say, I'm not going to fight this battle. So when I go to church, it's about faith and not facts. I hope that you are willing to do what I've, I've been willing to do with my kids, and I've done it from time to time in the church, and I need to keep doing it. Let me tell you why I'm a Christian. I, I, I am a Christian because I believe it's true. I'm a Christian because, not because I'm a pastor, not because I feel like just because I feel like Jesus has done something in my heart, not because I need a lot of forgiveness, because I do. I, I believe it's true. And let me tell you why I believe it's true. It's why I believe everything else that I tell to my kids about is true, because there are facts that support it. Take the article that I just talked about earlier. Guess what? The facts led this liberal professor to the conclusion it's a social contagion. The facts did. The natural conclusion was this is a phenomenon just like so many others that what? Have gone away. Guess what? If you don't think that social contagion happens, how many of you guys grew up boys? Good time to raise all your hands. Good. Now, I know some of you were little Jesuses. Some of us were not. I can think of times 
when I knew the right thing to do, but there was a social contagion called somebody brought a 12-pack. How many of you are familiar with social contagions? The fireman first one to raise his hand, not that shocking. <laughs> do you understand? How, how many of you understand what a social contagion is, right? And that's what's going on right now. But I want you to know, and you need to understand this, and let me tell you what, you better be able to communicate not only to your kids, but your kids' kids, what the facts of the faith are and why you believe it. And it's not right now always going to be done with your fists clenched saying you just got to believe it. Let me tell you what. Sure, you just got to believe it, but show them the facts. Because let me tell you what, when they see the facts for themselves, they're going to step back. And whether they're, whether they're the kind of person that's going to fight back, they're going to be able to stand firm in their faith. Well, I stopped too long on that. All right, so number two, what about meaning? Uh, man, why, why am I here? Uh, or excuse me, uh, what, why does uh, good and, and bad uh, exist here? Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Look at it. Look at it. Genesis 2, 15 to 17 says, The Lord took man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat, you will certainly die. So why is there evil in the world? Why is there evil in the world? We've got the answer, Right? We know how it was created. We know how good God here, God created. How did evil get here? God put Adam and Eve into the garden and gave them one rule, right? One rule. How many rules do we give our kids? Yeah. They gave them one. I mean, guys, surely, surely, if all of us in this, had he put me in the garden and give me one rule, I think, I think I could have, Obeyed that one rule. But then I remember who I am. You put a rule in place, you draw a line. My natural bent is to cross the line at least once, right? Don't touch that, it's hot. Anybody ever touch it? Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I got a new grill recently. And um, I just was sitting there, and it's a Weber. It's, it's a Weber. I, um, uh, we had just moved recently, and, and I, I had a Weber years ago, and then um, because the house that I moved into had a natural gas line that you could come out. And that, well, then we moved to our, our last house. We kind of downsized to get ready for all the kids to go. It's a great house for us, but one of the things we've always liked to do is we like to have new members over. We like to have youth Bible studies in our house. Gina wants to have her class over and stuff like that. We want to have deacons over and stuff like that, so we, so we moved. Got two kids off the payroll, so we said, hey, let's go get a house where the kitchen goes into the living room so we can start having, we can start doing that. And so what I did is I moved the, the grill, didn't have money for grill. I said, but I looked online, Googled conversion kit. I was going to Google my old, old grill, uh, which was called a Swiss grill. Anybody have a Swiss grill? Good. Don't ever get a Swiss grill. And I Googled, hey, here's a conversion package, bought the conversion package, took it out, we moved it over to the new place, opened it up, pulled all the grates off, started working. Everything was rusted out. It just collapsed, all right? So I got me a Weber. And so, man, I got, I, I did, guys. I 
don't tell my wife how much I spent on this grill. Uh, I got the all stainless steel. Now, you're, you're, you're probably, some of y'all are, have bought four and $5,000 grills. That's not the kind of grill I was talking about. Usually, I'm a $300 grill guy, but I did spend more than that. And so I'm sitting there. I light it up the first time. And on the stainless steel on the side, it had something that wasn't really stainless, but it looked cool. And so I'm like, I wonder if that's hot. Because it wasn't the normal, you know, and it wasn't the straight down metal side. It was clearly something that was built out. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know. So how many of you think at this point, this would be a good time for something to say, don't check it out. Yeah, the fireman knows. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and Gina is sitting over on the thing and I reach over and went, ah, and she went, what? And I go, nothing and I walked in and I, I walked back out and she goes what and I'd run with cold water over my hands and I said by the way don't ever touch that it's hot and uh so gave him one rule how did sin entered in the world what does it say happened he goes and then you will die let me tell you why evil's in the world it's because sin's in the world God didn't create it that way but we sin you say well why didn't God just make us where we couldn't sin no one wants that no one really wants that. They want to be free to make choices to do right and do wrong. And if you're God, God wants us to be free to either serve him or reject him. And if you choose to serve him, he will usher you into heaven. If you choose to reject him and go your own way, guys, listen, God will simply second your emotion. He'll say, if you choose to reject me, and then what do people, they, they, want God to re, they want people to be able to reject God all of their life and then God accept them. Well, well that doesn't sound very loving to me, does it? That God would, would say, you have rejected him all your life, then you die, and then all of a sudden God forces you to spend eternity with him? That doesn't sound very loving, does it? No, but they say that would be loving. No, God will second your motion. If you want to reject him, roll. So why is there evil in the universe? Man, it's because of something called sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, and death through sin, and this, way, and this is the way that death came to all people, because all have sinned. Man, there's evil in the world because of sin. Here's the third question. What about morality? How do I know what is right and wrong? What is, what is my truth? Uh, Psalm 119 verse 105. This is part of the Christian worldview. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. How do we know as believers what is right and wrong? God's word. God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's it. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebu rebuke, encourage. Why? But do it all with great patience and careful instruction. So how do we as believers, as Christians, know what is right and wrong? God's word. So if our origin of everything is God created it, the origin of evil is something called sin. How do I know what is right and wrong? Our guide is the Bible. We also have to understand, look at other people, what's your guide for what is right and wrong? Just ask them. How do you determine what is right and wrong? Usually they will give you immediately a self-defeating argument that if you'll just listen 
and take it to its logical extreme, then you'll be able to break them down and begin to talk to them about faith and say, hey, can you just be open about this? And then finally, here's the fourth idea. Where am I headed? It's the word called destiny. Where are we headed? 